everyone has access on some level to walking log. This is the first time I've used this book for confirmation, but I think it's probably the most comprehensive and up-to-date book of its kind. Um, so we're going to be walking through that. And today, before we, I guess, um, start, maybe we can just say our names and um, maybe like what church you're coming from, maybe? Because I guess most, a lot of you, is Emma coming? She, she is not here today. Not today. She is in North Carolina. Okay. Uh, maybe just like what church tradition you are coming from most recently, because um, I think most of you are not coming from the Episcopal Church. So, um, I'm Shannon George, and I grew up not coming from super recently, but in the Baptist Church. I'm uh, Joseph George. I was raised Catholic. I'm totally Cindy. <laughs> uh, Wesley Manzura was also raised Catholic. Uh, Dick Lansbury, I grew up Catholic. Mary Michael Smith, I grew up Baptist. Swin Smith, I grew up uh, Church of Christ. Brian Denton, I grew up Southern Baptist. Yep. Robert McDowell, also grew up Church of Christ. Uh, Carrie McDowell, Presbyterian. Mm -hmm. Melanie Lee, I'm Episcopalian. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up Methodist. <laughs> Uh, I'm Kristen Griffin. I have some background of Catholic. I'm Jan Gentry. I was confirmed in the Episcopal Church 60 years ago. So I thought maybe I could use some refresher. <laughs> and, I, and I too will be doing as you are doing. I'm, I'm doing a refresher with my great niece. Uh -huh. well, I have my son downstairs. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, cradle Episcopalian going through Constable Flagish. Refreshing. Yeah, refresher course. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Ann Nelson, and uh, I grew up Baptist. Okay. All right. Well, I'm Jack Alvey. Uh, I didn't grow up in the Catholic Church, but I was baptized in the Catholic Church. Does everyone have a book of time fair available? They're sort of littered about. Um, I turned the air on mainly because it's either going to be like really still, stagnant air, or maybe a little cooler. Um, but I'm there, so yeah. oh, you need someone to answer. No, I'm good. We all have to. We, we have this fair. I'm good. I'm, no, oh, I got one. Okay. I'm just going to use it. Say, um, thank make you very confused. Um, so we're going to turn to page 58 in the book of Common Prayer. This, if you've uh, read the first couple of the introduction and uh, chapter one, then you'll recognize this because this is sort of, I guess, the foundation of his introduction to the book. <clears throat> but I thought we would um, begin by praying it aloud. And this is from our right one liturgy for morning prayer. So we have two. You'll hear a lot of people talk about right one versus right two. That's basically... Um, right one is usually more uh, traditional language and these and vows and beseech, all that King James sort of language. And then the contempt, quote unquote, contemporary language is right two. And it sounds more like your modern vernacular. Um, one of the things that the right one language uh, that that is somewhat lost with right two language is sort of the cadence 
like how how things read like it right one is more poetic i guess you might say they they try to maintain some of that in right two but it's just not it's just not the same so <laughs> um there are subtle theological differences between right one and right two but the biggest differences are really about this language so that being said this is the more traditional version of the general thanksgiving which is also one of my favorite prayers so that being said uh, let us pray together almighty god father of all mercies we thine unworthy servants do give thee most humble and hearty thanks for all thy goodness and loving kindness to us and to all men we bless thee for our creation preservation and all the blessings of this life but above all for thine inestimable love in the redemption of the world by our lord jesus christ for the means of grace and for the hope of glory and we beseech thee give us that due sense of all thy mercies that our hearts may be unfailingly thankful and that we show forth thy praise not only with our lips but in our lives by giving up ourselves to thy service and by walking before thee in holiness and righteousness all the days through jesus christ our lord to whom with thee and the holy ghost the all honoring glory world without end amen the general and those are the days of our when did you get tongue-tied over there? Yeah. It happens to the best of us. It's nothing worse when you're leading worship for like 200 people and they're all counting on you and then you like screw up and then everyone else is like, you know. It's not like you're saying estimable every day. That's yeah. true. Or unfailingly. Yes. And that's, yes. So the, the, the updated version is uh, immeasurable. So immeasurable is not quite as... Uh, how do I say this? Immeasurable seems to be less than inestimable. Is that right? Mm -hmm. If you can measure something, but inestimable, like you can't even estimate it. Anyway, sorry. just a thought. Um, so anyway, that's that's up here. And in the uh, the book, he sort of uh, walk in love. Uh, he he sort of pinpoints the line not only with our lips, but in our lives uh, by giving up ourselves to thy service. So like what what we say in here on on sundays how does that inform how we think and act and uh live the rest of the week so it's sort of a prayer to say help me live into the prayers <laughs> that i said on sunday is basically uh one way of thinking about it another way to think about it is like jesus there's no gap between what Jesus says and what Jesus does. Like Jesus bridges that proverbial gap, right? You think about, like, here we are and here God is, and there's this big, great big chasm that we cannot cross um, because there is a gap between what we say and what we do. This is pay lip service and actually does take yeah. action. And so Jesus, quote unquote, bridges the gap. That's what, that's what our Savior does. And our theology says, well, he does that through his death and resurrection, through the cross and the empty tomb. And so um, that that's what we're talking about here. And so Jesus closes the gap. Um, one of the things that I also thought about as I was reading um, this material, and actually if you were in class this morning, you might have heard some of this, but talking about not only with our lips, but in our lives. 
Uh, there's that uh, from the examine. It's one of ours. It's a tool for uh, reflection. Um, we had talked about it in our preparing for Lent class this morning. And there's a quote that starts the reflection for today. And it says this, it says, humans are very much creatures of habit. God made us this way so that we don't have to rely solely on good judgment and decision making in each situation, which sounds exhausting, right? Um, instead, we can train our minds, bodies, and souls to habitually and naturally do the right thing, which is somewhat liberating if you think about it. Because if you feel like you have to make the right decision in every single situation, I feel like that's a lot of pressure. But if you sort of just get in the habit of doing the right thing, it's like almost beyond you. It's like, you know, and, and the way that we do that is as Episcopalians or as Christians is we read prayers and we read the scriptures and we do that again and again and again until it becomes like a part of who we are and how we act, which become our habits, right? So that's why, you know, that's sort of like one of the, I guess you would say the, the pros of having a liturgy where everything is pretty much prescribed. And if some of you might be coming from backgrounds where the prayers might have been more extemporaneous, um, the service might have been a little bit less organized, maybe. I, don't, I mean, I'm not saying it's not organized, not but spontaneous. a little bit more spontaneous. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and then the, the sort of the argument against liturgy is that we don't make very uh, much room for the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that. Holy Spirit doesn't move in our liturgy. I'm just saying that's sort of uh, the pros and cons. Um, so, but we do want to have, and we actually talked about this in staff meeting the other day, to make more space during the prayers of the people for people to add their own petitions. Because we we just we've sort of gotten in the habit of like flying through it, um, which you know. Anyway, so uh, there is there is that. Um, oh my God! I'm sorry, y'all. Let's please silence our cell phone. Put him in airplane mode. <laughs> He's a pilot. He did. He caught. Attention. No. So, <laughs> so basically, what we're going to try to do in the in the next forty five minutes is I'm going to go. Does he need money? Probably. He's breaking the Okay. So what I'm going to try to do is like the next sort of like 15 minutes or so, just sort of go over the material in the first two chapters. And then, you know, we might try to have some discussion sort of based on that or really just based on the prayer book. Um, does, and everyone has access to the book and that, uh, you know, some people have probably gotten into it a little bit more than others, but I'm just basically going to walk through it. And if something doesn't make sense or if you want to raise your hand, and I'll give you these study notes later. Um, I just felt like if I gave them to you now, it might have been very confusing because I might not read everything and they're going to be like, where in the world is he? And so <laughs> I'm just going to sort of try to summarize it. Um, so we have that uh, curious Latin phrase, lex orandi, lex credendi. Is that right? 
our Latin scholars. Yeah. Ryan and uh, uh, Dick are my TAs, so I'll be referring to them <laughs> often. Um, so in Latin, what does that mean? Does anyone remember other than Ryan and Dick? Um, the law of prayer is the law of belief. Another way of thinking about it is praying shapes believing. Or another way of thinking about it is you are what you pray. Um, so these, again, like these prayers, you know, we have these prayers written down in a book. And at first, they're just words on a page. But the more you pray them, the more the community prays them, the more they become a part of you, the D your DNA, the more they become a part of the DNA of the church, and the more they become part of the DNA of the world, right? And so prayer on some level, at least in the Episcopal Church, on some level, prayer is just sort of like taking the language of scripture and reordering it and returning it to god which is really cool way of thinking like this is our offering back to god um based on what we know to be true in scripture so um we we do believe that there's like this this intimate relationship between prayer and belief and ultimately action so prayer belief action they're all sort of very intimately uh connected in, in the episcopal church our prayer book is sort of the focal point of who we are. If someone ever asks you, what does the Episcopal Church believe? Just give them the prayer book and say, here you go. I mean, I'm not, I mean, that's sort of funny, but at the same time, it's like, it's true. You know, some churches have like a, a confession of faith. I don't know if anyone's ever been in a church where you had to sign like a document that says, this is what I believe and this is how I'll act. Um, there are some churches that have like a confessional. Uh, there's some churches that have like a dogma, like the Catholic Church. Um, I mean, we do have a catechism, but our catechism is like 20 pages long. The Catholic catechism is like 20,000 pages long. So it's just a little different. I mean, that was somewhat of an exaggeration, but it's not, a lot not more. The Baltimore 20 pages. <laughs> <laughs> Baltimore number two is not quite Yeah, different. right. So it's just a different... Um, like we're not going to prescribe things to the level of that the Catholic Church might prescribe things. We're going to leave it a lot more open to interpretation, which is why a lot of people will find the Episcopal Church attractive because it's not so prescribed that you try to make. We're trying to make space for a broad group of people to be able to find or access God, and so you might so. Anyway, that's and that's one one thing I like about Ascension in particular is that we're not a, like we're not a particular brand. I don't well, I don't think at least we're a particular brand of Episcopalianism. Like there are certain churches that like oh they're that church or oh they're that church. I think Ascension is pretty broad and open. So you have people all over the spectrum. I would say, um, you know, politically, socially, theologically. Um, and everyone's okay with that, which I think is a beautiful witness in this sort of context that we find ourselves in that's so polarized. Um, that doesn't mean we're not going to get annoyed at each other sometimes or, you know, that sort of thing. But we can say that love is bigger than any kind of like division that, that we might have. Um, and unfortunately, there are breaks in the church, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> um, so that being said, uh, it says, the more we pray something, the more deeply it becomes a part of us. We're shaped by the by the prayers that we pray. Um, let's see. Uh, our prayers demand that we ask ourselves some difficult questions. How does what we say on Sunday inform what we think on Thursday? 
what do they call us to do on Monday and Tuesday? Um, and then it says, as we pray, we are shaped by our prayers so that over time, with God's help, we become the very thing for which we pray. <laughs> but sometimes we're the answer to our own prayers, or God helps us see that. Um, so uh, in these prayers that we say in this, again, it talks about our catechism. These prayers are the articulation of our belief. Whereas like theology on some level is talking about God. Prayer is talking to God. So on some level, these prayers are more relational, I guess. Like what we believe is more relational. It's not necessarily just a statement that some really smart people wrote down on paper. It, these are, if you look at a lot of the prayers, you start saying a lot of the prayers over and over again and going through the prayer book, they don't necessarily all agree with each other. You're like, huh. Well, that one kind of contradicts that one, sort of like the Bible, but that doesn't mean that one is true and one is false. That just means there's like a comprehension to this that is beyond sort of the, a singular theologian or way of thinking. Um, the Bible was also written by multiple you know, people over multiple generations who had multiple contexts and multiple biases. And so just because it seems contradictory doesn't mean it's like one is not true. They're both speaking to a truth from a particular angle. <laughs> um, and it is the Holy Spirit who ultimately guides us into all truth. Um, and so we're not in the Episcopal Church. We're not afraid to have like two seemingly contradictory things out there because, you know, once you've answered the question, you're done with it and you moved on. If, but and if, but sort of what Emily was talking about this morning with wondering. Well, that's, that's when you wonder, you're drawn into relationship. That's what you meet from a Catholic background mm -hmm. to the Episcopal Church that you get credit for thinking and analyzing and reading. Sure. Know? And that was uh, the bigger difference for me. Yeah, it says there's a. You know, penalized for thinking or having a different perspective. Yeah, you don't have to check your brain at the door. Exactly. There you go. Which is like a, a slogan that we used to have. There used to be like Episcopal posters, and that was one of them. You don't have to check your brain at the door. Um, so anyway, uh, it makes a big assumption. Do I? I said it makes a big assumption. We come with one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. And so the Book of Common Prayer, just sort of like a, a brief like background on it. It was the first one was published in 1549 by Thomas Cramner. Um, he was the Archbishop of Canterbury. Uh, he was the first Archbishop of Canterbury once the Church of England disconnected itself from Rome. We're going to get all, into all that fun stuff later. Um, but he's he's responsible for the first Book of Common Prayer. And he basically want, wanted to say that our worship needed to unite us. Like what we pray and what we say on Sunday should be, should unite not should unite the whole church. And he also said you need to pray in your own language. Because <laughs> for a long time, Latin was what was used. And at one time, Latin was a unifying language, but not for very long. And then all of a sudden it became a way for the church to control the people because they didn't know the only publications of the prayers and the scriptures were in Latin, unless you were educated or clergy, you didn't know. And then the half the clergy weren't even educated. So you had very few people that knew what the scriptures actually said. Imagine that. Like you had very few people who knew what the scriptures actually said. Nobody actually spoke Latin. 
Yes, exactly. And, and so you could like, this led to a lot of corruption yeah. and what ultimately led to the Reformation. But that's for another There's a condensed version. <laughs> that is a condensed version. Um, and then the Book of Common Prayer is also sort of what we sought the via media. Has anyone heard that? That's a huge sort of word that we use in the Episcopal Church, via media, the middle way. <laughs> Nothing. I just think I'm, I don't know if it's another Latin term, but go ahead. Um, via media. Or is it via media? Potato, potato. <laughs> so it's really sort of a, a it, it, the prayer book is sort of a compromise between, maybe compromise isn't the right word. Comp so <clears throat> interlude. Uh, Richard Hooker is what who we call the father of Anglicanism. And the collect or the prayer, the collect is a fancy word for prayer. The collect that we say for his feast day, so we have a calendar of feasts, and there are a lot of really important Christians on there, and he's one of them. And so everyone has their own little prayer and readings that go along with it. So Richard Hooker's collect or prayer um, talks about how we're not seeking compromise um, for the sake of expediency or efficiency we're seeking comprehension for the sake of truth going back to that compromise you sort of get here comprehension is like all right we're just going to take all this <laughs> we're going to take the best of the catholic world and the best of the protestant world and we're going to put it in a book and so that's what the 1549 prayer book attempted to do so you have some of the teachings are from luther some of the teachings are from calvin some of the teachings are from the catholic church and then you sort of smush them all together which on some level you know the middle way if you think about it is not necessarily the most popular way <laughs> right um i don't think it's ever been that popular well a good compromise nobody's happy yeah well yeah i mean you're yeah and so dear happy yes <laughs> um so anyway it's just a little bit about that and just any questions before i move on because i know this is i'm just i'm probably assuming a lot and y'all might sort of be like what in the world is going on right now i think myself jack that there's by that time uh when, when all that happened 16th century and when pre with luther there's a lot of uh, questions against the catholic church Sure. And and the time was right for change. Yes. And it all came to a head, of course, uh, with with, England, with, with uh, between with Henry VIII and of course Luther, years a few decades decades earlier. Uh, that's what brought it because people were already looking for a change from Catholicism. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah it says you know a lot the of things right. And like you know you can probably see the evidence of this today is like. People were like so, like so against being Catholic. They didn't even want to like spell of being Catholic. So even if it wasn't wrong, theologically wrong, they didn't want to have anything to do with it because it was Catholic. And so many were willing to throw quote the baby out with the bathwater. So the prayer book tries to maintain what's good about each sort of thing. Um, he says, Cramner and others sought to find a middle ground. Uh, let's see, it, it, you know, the prayer book's been revised a number of times. Uh, the Church of England, their authorized prayer book is the 1662 version. 
that's like 400 years <clears throat> with it. Their prayer book is 400 years old. I mean, they've had supplemental texts approved again and again since then. But, um, but anyway, but in any, uh, our most recent authorized prayer book was 1979, which is over 40 years old, 45 years old now. We're talking about a new possibility of having a new one, which is a whole nother conversation. How often does it get? Well, the one before that was 1928, and then the one before that was like 18... 18... Something in the 80s, maybe? Yeah, I think too. But before that, it was it was 100 years, uh -huh. like between like the Revolutionary War and then the Civil War, or after the Civil War. <clears throat> so, anyway... Um, Are we in 89 now, right? We're in 79. We're in 79? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're 1979. Um, okay, uh, let's see. What else do I want to talk about? We talked about prayer. Uh, liturgy is a, sort of a reminder that prayer is communal in nature. Um, let's see. Uh, I have a question. Yes. Was the, was the point of taking certain parts for each and compiling it into one to like appeal to the masses or that they truly believe that like these are the like right or like better parts so we're going to include them in this text both okay. and so i think i know what you're saying yeah but that's another anglicanism anglican anglican thought is we don't say either or we say both and okay. and so what you just said is are you trying to appeal to the masses or, or are you know. trying to get the best of everything yes yes Okay. <laughs> well said. That was you're well on your way to becoming an Episcopalian. But yeah, but that's that's yes. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny, but but that is true. Um, but uh, prayers and community. Uh, let's see. Um, we're going to sort of walk through the prayer book here uh, in a minute. It says, uh, you know, here it says uh, a person might hear, might hear begin. Think that the prayer book is a straitjacket limiting and restricting how we can interact with god um but there's really a an opportunity for creativity and diversity uh, there are an incredible number of liturgies in there you have eucharist baptism marriage burial confirmation ordination all kinds of daily prayer uh there are prayers for those who are sick uh, for those at school we talked about the right one versus right two um within the eucharistic prayer we have uh we have different like right now we're on what prayer eucharistic c, prayer one c, c. c we have a b c and d um and they all sort of have their own sort of uh emphasis uh prayer a i would say is very much focused on the uh the sacrifice of christ Prayer B is very much focused on the incarnation of Christ, how God has been revealed in the flesh of humanity, ultimately in Jesus. Uh, prayer C uh, was written around the time of the moon landing. Um, so that's why you hear stuff like interstellar space, galaxy, suns, the fragile earth. Yes. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> and then uh, prayer D is connected to some of the very oldest uh, prayers that the church has ever written. We'll do some prayer D during uh, Easter. Um, let's see what else. 
uh, praying with our bodies, we like pure aerobics. Um, so uh, Robin Williams, the comedian, was a Episcopalian, and he went on the David Letterman show. And there was a top 10 list on why to be an Episcopalian. And we made a t-shirt out of it. And it's like our best evangelical tool. Um, I haven't seen that t-shirt in a while. I've got it. I should have worn it. I thought about it. Um, I could just do a confirmation class based off that t-shirt, right? Uh, but one of them, you know, says, says pure aerobics. Like that's a, a reason to be an Episcopalian. Uh, another one's like all the pageantry, none of the guilt. Um, that's sort of a, a, a nod that the Catholics over there. Um, what else? What else does it say? Uh, no snake handling. Um, free wine on Sunday. Uh, what else? You can believe in dinosaurs. You can believe in dinosaurs. Oh. Mm -hmm. like that. But anyway, so we talk about how worship can, involves all of your senses. We see uh, light and darkness as the candles flicker. We see the variety of colors and the vestments. We'll go over all that at some point. We hear music and words, uh, uh, or words read. We smell, I don't know if I smell the beeswax of burning candles, but we um, have enough burning. That's, that's true. It's, 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 we don't it's, use incense right. too much to some people's dismay. <laughs> we taste bread and wine and we touch the prayer book and we shake the hands of our neighbors. And, um, so it's engaging your whole body. So when there's a, it's a God, it says, love God with all your heart. This is not a test. Mind, body, and soul. Strength. strength, and soul. Anyway, your body is a part of it, right? Our bodies are important. Um, and then because it talks about praying, praying with your bodies. It says it's a full contact sport, apparently. Um, we would say, I would say the Episcopal Church of the Ascension. Um, uses or kneels more than most Episcopal churches do. It's a lot. So, um, <laughs> just a dealer's of medic, but if she's on. Yes. We roll in in the, in the Eucharistic, we roll in after the Sanctus right in. Is that, is it like that everybody's just still, some are standing? Yes. And some kneel? Uh -huh. After the Sanctus? Do you have an opinion about what you, your Well, I've always you, stood. That would, What's that? There's I'm behind the altar. I'm not I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm still kneel, kneels for the opening colics. And then uh, for the going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be and actually, it says in right one, this is a nerd, nerd alert here. In right one, it says you may kneel or stand. In right two, it says you may stand or kneel. So there's like a, like whatever one's first is preferential. Um, so technically, standing is what the prayer book is trying to get you to do. But prayer C, I don't know if we put it in the bulletin or not. I have no idea. I haven't looked. But if we did. Standard deal. Yeah, it was standard deal. It's not supposed to be in there because our the the prayer book actually doesn't have 
any instructions. You're just you're just supposed to keep standing. But of course, we cut and paste and things. Not going to peer pressure. Yeah, there's a lot of peer pressure. Because we were at diocesan convention, and the offertory hymn came up, and you sit during the offertory. That's what you do. You have to pass the plate. You sit. But the bulletin said, please stand. And so everyone stood up. And I stayed seated Good for, you, for as long as I could until it was just awkward. <laughs> Jack was surrounded by a sea of other clergy yeah. being the one just sitting down. <laughs> Protesting. Bishop, she got to you. Anyway. Um, okay, so that's sort of like the super brief. Well, I should say, I'd say brief, but uh, lecture, uh, lecture notes. I'll send you all these lecture notes. Um, it's just the highlights from the book. Does anyone have any like pressing questions from these first two chapters that you like wrote in the margins? Like, I gotta know what that, that means. You do not. Okay. All right. Well, we're gonna do a little exercise that hopefully will generate conversation and we are going to uh so everyone has does everyone have their own prayer book everyone has their own prayer book great um it's just gonna be like a story drill <laughs> maybe it's a i just make a, a breeze when they have those because i never found it and there are going to be three questions that you're going to be wondering about one is going to be what do you notice or what surprises you what are what do you wonder about or what questions do you have or what might this challenge you to be or do and we'll go through this here in a minute but um all right so this is what we're going to do we are going everyone is going to think of a number between one and a thousand everyone just sort of let the holy spirit give you a number between one and a thousand Okay. Does everyone have their number? Uh -huh. All right. Now turn to that page in the Book of Common Prayer and just sit with the, the page. And then after a few minutes, we're going to sort of turn to our neighbors <laughs> and reflect on this question. So, again, the three questions are um, What do you notice or what surprises you? What second question is what questions do you have? The third question is like what is this challenging you to do? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. What do you notice or what surprises you? What questions do you have? Or what is this challenging to do or be? Just spend some time on that page. <laughs> See how this goes. This chaplain, uh obviously Episcopalian, the head of the like the Chaplains Association in Alabama with the Baptists. And anyway, he got different clergy to do the commencement at, uh, prayer. And he was talking to the Episcopal Chaplain. He said, um, I want you to pray before the commencement and just don't do one of those canned prayers. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, okay. And then he led the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> um, so the, the question, uh, the question, I think he did like a little bit extemporaneous, and then he said, but the best way to pray is, 
Um, but anyway, so we'll sort of end with that. What are some of the uh, pros and cons of having a scripted prayer, like the ones we have in our prayer book? So let's start with the cons, so we can end on a positive note. What are, might be some of the downsides of having scripted prayer? Less relatable. Less relatable? Yeah, okay. sometimes it feels like it doesn't fit what mm. you're yeah. dealing or trying to say or convey. Yeah. Okay. It might not be one that fits the moment exactly. Yeah. 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 You're trying to pray for a very specific thing, but you can't find it. Yeah. There are, you know, there are within the last, I don't know how long, but sort of an explosion of liturgies out there from all different kinds of traditions. Um, they're finally, the Episcopal Church is never going to have the most people, but I think we influence the wider church in some really cool ways. And one of that, like right now, even the Baptists are doing Lent. So, like, you know, obviously, liturgical churches like the Episcopal Church, Catholic Church, we've always done that, right? So, um, so what are some other, other maybe one, one or two other cons of having a scripted prayer? Requires less thought. Requires less thought. You might not all be, be in it. You're just sort of like going through the motions. Or really, your place. Like, it may feel inauthentic sometimes. Yeah, like less intentional. Yeah. yeah. That too. Sometimes uses big words. <laughs> yeah. Hard to pronounce. Yeah. See, I mean, do you ever just, this is just me being me over here. Oh, but no. um, with, with, the, with the prayers that we go through, initially, you may go, oh, what? And, and can't wrap your hand around it. But I think the more you say them, the more you go, oh, wow, did I miss that? Well, you've been saying it, but it just didn't register somewhere. You yeah. know, all this time that you do. Yeah. I so. think that's important, you know, sort of shifting to the pros. Like, what are the pros of having a scripted prayer? I sort of, like, for me, it taught me how to pray. Like, it's, mm -hmm. almost, it's almost like a like a, uh, a leaping point. Is that the right word? Jumping off point. Jumping off point. Yeah. Like, I've memorized a lot of these prayers, and then they kind of, like, become... They sort of extend out into beyond that, I guess. I think you're right. I think if you pay attention, a lot of it is really applicable in so many different situations that you're in. If you're paying attention to what is being said and not just reading it. And also, for like coming from the Baptist church, it takes a lot of pressure off of you if you don't know what to say or like can't find the words to say. It isn't nice to have something that you can say to make you feel like you are... Amen. Praying. And have an amen, too, so you know when you're done. Right, exactly. I get a little nervous when I'm out. They, they get someone to praying, and they start with Father God. So people used to hate yeah. it when my, they would call my dad to pray at church. Right? And then so they, would, they would go, and you think, you could end it with it. You know, Aww. they can just continue Yes, on. I know. So yeah. Just, and, yeah. And by the way, one more thing. And I have found, too, like, some, it, if it, Sometimes I would think like, oh, this is like just like cheating or easy or repetitive. But like, if I'm not using something, I also feel like I just pray for the same things because I sometimes like can't think of anything else to say or pray for. And then I'm like, should I be praying yeah. for something else? But this sounds like just like last night's prayer. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, you can like in the prayer book on, I don't know if anyone happened to land in the prayers, 
uh, really like the 800s. Mm -hmm. um, there's prayers for all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And it can really like open your mind, like mm -hmm. you said, to, you know, the needs that you might not ever think about. Uh, if you come to church on Ash Wednesday, there's like a whole litany there. Uh, that you'll, uh, uh, they're called the solemn colics. Uh, you'll have like a bidding and then respond with the colic. Um, and also, you know, like these, you know, just as a pro, I guess, is like, it, it almost takes the spotlight off of you. Like, cause you're not trying to come up with this like really nice sounding yeah. prayer. It's not performative, I guess. I and mean, I guess it can be performative, it, whether or not you write it or not. Um, but sort of like, so anyway, but you know, we are Episcopalians. We are people of the book. We do have scripted prayers, um, but that doesn't mean we can't pray without the prayer book. I think the prayer book is a great foundation, but I also think it would behoove us to learn how to pray extemporaneously. You know, extemporaneously. Um, but there's a good part about the prayer book in all of our prayers that it's common. Yeah. And so that you feel connected to all your other brothers and sister Episcopalians mm -hmm. across the state, across the country, across the world who are praying these prayers, doing the same liturgy that we're doing and everything. And there's just a sense of connectedness. Thank you all. Um, so obviously this class is a survey. We're not going to go over everything in the books. So reading it on your own is, you know, the best way to really digest all the material. Uh, so we'll do some lecture notes and then some like small group like conversations. And um, so it's not just all me talking or Emily talking. What chapters? So next time we're doing uh, part, there are basically seven sections for the seven classes. And so the next section is. Uh, yeah, so uh, sacraments and sacramental rights, so two through eight. Emily and I just did a whole class on this in like over seven weeks, and now we're going to do all this in one day. Yeah, so uh, anyway, so that's the sacraments and sacramental rights. So, you know, chapters two, it's basically like 80 pages, or is that right? 80 pages. Um, so that's what we're doing next week. So we'll end with the right two version of the general Thanksgiving. Uh, I found one on page 125, and this is actually an evening prayer. Mm. Y'all can tell me which one you like better. So 125. Let us pray. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks. For all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts, we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to him with you and the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen.
What do we like better, one or two? Yes, and. <laughs> Both Thanks, Kath and Caleb. Glad y'all could join us, and um, we'll see the recording soon. That's true. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Hello. 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 Hello.